Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 54. You're here with Paul Spain and Skip Parker. Welcome to the studio. Skip, how are you doing? Yeah, good man, good. I missed uh, last week actually. Yeah, well, um, yeah, you kind of, um, yeah, you got you 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 disappeared after probably the intro, and uh, um, yeah, you 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 were mostly outside of the studio, although you popped in from time to time. I popped in for the pizza, but yeah, no, had a bit of a bit of a technical foible in the uh, office, so that sort of took precedence. So yeah, and this week, um, Brad is not quite missing in action. We actually know where he is this time. Uh, yes. Last time he took a. Um, a holiday in the islands of any sort. Um, yeah, we didn't quite know where he was, but uh, I think he's up there in Indonesia, isn't he? Yep, so enjoying the beach in Bali um, and catching the internet now and again to see him appear online and make some statements and disappear off to the pool again. It's crazy. Yeah, he said through a few uh, a few comments around some of the news coverage that he'd seen uh, he'd seen in Asia over the last few days. Yeah, uh, and it is interesting stuff. So. All right, well, we'll try and dive into that later on. Now, to start with, I've got a topic that was actually on the agenda for last week, but Brad and I got caught up chatting about other things, and uh, this one didn't didn't end up making it to air. RDO have launched in New Zealand. RDO. Tell us more about RDO. Well, RDO is interesting. Their, their service is an, a music streaming service where you pay a fixed monthly fee for unlimited uh, streaming and access to their music catalogue and yeah it's it's quite a um, quite a similar service in some ways to the Zune service that Microsoft offer except of course Zune isn't official the Zune um, music subscription isn't officially available in New Zealand <laughs> so you have to jump through a couple of hoops yep. to subscribe to that and once you've subscribed it works well you don't need a VPN and so on for that to work but yeah, the the downside is you do need to sort of jump through some hoops, and it's a it's a subscription designed for the the US market. Now, if I were to compare the two, and it and it is hard to because they are, they are different. Uh, what I like about the Zoom service is you can get it from your phone, from your Xbox. From uh, from your PC, so you can access it from a few uh, different in a few different manners, and it's also very uh, capable in terms of downloading to your your various devices. You can you can have a big catalogue of content that seems to work really well. And the thing that they've added uh, in the last uh, few months is the video streaming service. So now within your subscription, which is uh, 10 US dollars a month, you also get unlimited uh, music video streaming through through your Xbox or, or your computer. I'm not sure you can do that through your phone, actually. Um, but yeah, it's quite nice. So you can just put on these various mixes, and it'll just keep finding new new music videos to uh, to watch. So we sometimes fire that up on the uh, on the TV through the Xbox, and uh, and it works well. But back to RDO. But that that's, that Zoom stuff's very Microsoft centric, isn't it? It's just Microsoft Windows PC. It's the Microsoft Xbox. Very, it's the Microsoft very good phone. point. Yeah. yeah. So that's part of the Microsoft ecosystem. Now RDO is something. That really sits outside of the core ecosystems, and we and we've got, 
yeah, the Apple ecosystem, Google, and the Microsoft ecosystem, where where each of them are providing, you know, a range of you know things, app stores and music and uh, you know video rentals and 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 so on. Um, RDO sits outside of that and is sort of agnostic to your platform, so you can get that. And I've installed the app also. Um, on some of my Apple devices and so you know you can basically subscribe and then get you know get that content across a range of devices which is is good now I'm just having a look at the audio site um, it does look very agnostic I mean I can see that it's working for PC for Mac uh, works on the iPad the iPhone um, all the iDevices works on Android which you'd expect if it's you know it's working on iPhone it's going to work on Android sure um Surprisingly, they actually have a Windows Phone app for it, Windows Phone 7 app. Yeah, and and that seems to be more and more becoming the norm, I think, with big uh, bigger vendors are, are starting to come to Windows Phone, yep. which is, um, yeah, I guess it helps create a more, um, a closer to level playing field, shall we say. Yeah, exactly, and I think they're targeting the European market a bit here because they do BlackBerry support. Uh, BlackBerry is huge in the UK mm, when I was mm. over there. And uh, Sonos and Roku. Yeah, which is which is good, and we've talked a lot about those uh, the the Roku boxes and so on on the on the NZ Tech podcast in the past. Now, the feedback that we've had coming through, particularly from the Geek Zone forums here in New Zealand, is that the catalogue of music is somewhat disappointing. So often there'll be music that you'll see and you'll think, "Oh, that's great," and then it will say, "Oh, that's not available in your region." Oh, so, really. Yeah, that's uh, that's not ideal. So, so let, let's any- give it a little bit of time. It's been a reasonably soft launch. They haven't done a huge amount of marketing and promotion right. around it. There hasn't been much in the media. Uh, but, hey, the good thing is we're getting more content becoming available in New Zealand. It's great to see this as the first you know official service like this in the New Zealand uh, market. Uh, in Australia, of course, Zoom service did launch there a few months ago. And so that that had one, you know, was a step um, up in terms of timing on audio. What we're still waiting for is really to see a lot more in terms of uh, movie and TV streaming services. And there certainly isn't a an all you can eat unlimited service here yet. So you still have to jump through those hoops that uh, that we've covered off on the uh, on the NZ Tech Podcast website to sign up for the likes of uh, Amazon's video streaming, Netflix. And and similar services. So, already seeing a lot of interest out of the chat room um, about this as well, and a few people saying they've actually used it on BlackBerry and it works really really well. So yeah, okay, that's, that's good. That's good. Now, BlackBerry, we chatted about in the news last week. They've uh, they've been through some some changes. Of course, uh, um, you know their their uh, co CEO stepped down, new CEO stepped in. A few jitters there with their uh, their share price. Uh, so we'll certainly be looking out to see what um, what comes on the horizon there, and there have been some comments from them around things to expect, and I think there's a new uh, new playbook on its way. Yeah, well, I was actually just thinking, did we talk about this in the previous podcast about the playbook software updates that came out over CES? Uh, no, actually, we didn't didn't discuss those because I, I've I've heard rumours that the, it's actually a very decent update that it actually brings. Um, answers a lot of questions that people have about the original um, operating system, which was a little bit, let's say it was a bit awful, 
um, that it actually has started turning the playbook into something that's very very functional, very useful. Okay. Oh, that's a, that's interesting. Uh, there certainly hasn't been much of a buzz around the the um, the playbook online. Uh, but if they if they you know step up what they deliver, then um, there, there's a potential for some um, some changes there. Yeah, that's good. Now, another item of of local relevance that I just wanted to mention is that there's a big conference coming up in Wellington from February the 14th, which is uh, Webstock. So those that are involved in uh, web and the online world, it's definitely worth looking uh, looking this up. A great little conference with some impressive speakers, really, from all over. There's uh, there's New Zealand um, uh, speakers there, guys like uh, um, uh, Jeff Handley, um, and yeah, there are speakers from a whole range of of um, U.S. firms, predominantly, and and individuals from the U.S. Uh, you know, developer types like uh, Scott Hanselman from uh, from Microsoft. Um, who else have we got there on the uh, on the lineup? There's uh, Rob Mulder. Yeah, Rob Mulder, founder of Slashdot. So that's um, not an insignificant site in any. Yeah, any no, they, they tend to always bring in some pretty heavy hitters from around the world for this uh, for this conference. Didn't they bring in um, Kevin um, Rose from uh, Dig dot com when he was here? Uh, did he come down for that last year? Or I, yeah, I think Kevin Rose might have been down for it. Um, yeah. So that yeah, they certainly have. Uh, well, it's it's not skimping on talent, that's for sure. No, in any no. stretch of the imagination. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm actually quite interested to have a look at this one. Yep. So have a look. Webstock dot webstock.co.nz. Uh, it's webstock.org.nz. You are right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm hoping to get down there. I still haven't sort of fully scheduled it in, uh, but if I get a chance to get down there, we'll uh, we'll certainly report back on um, on what we find. It is uh, it is unfortunate. It is a l- it is a little costly, costly, I should say. It's uh, fourteen hundred bucks at the moment. Yeah, so there's registration. The way the way the conference uh, works is you've got um, there's there's up to four days available. You've got a fee that you pay, which gives you access to the last two days of the conference. For the first two days, individual speakers are doing their own uh, seminars, effectively, if I've understood this correctly, and you pay based on who you want to see. So if you want to go and 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 you know spend a whole lot of time with one of these guys and hear their um, you know their in-depth sessions, then you'll pay according to uh, to those sessions that you go to. Right. Yeah, I can see that here. So there's the workshops, and then there's the main conference. That's it. Yeah. Yep. So you can and you can actually go to workshops and not go to the main conference. Right. Um, then you pay more to go to each workshop. And those workshops, uh, off the top of my head, are sort of um, maybe five hundred to you know five hundred dollars plus. Yeah, uh, typically. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but but the content is likely to be very very good. So uh, yeah, have a look at that one. Now, keeping on the New Zealand front, um, two degrees are launching a new uh, a new plan tomorrow, I believe. Uh, so, of course, we've had um, Skinny Mobile just launch into the market uh, very, very recently, and we, we covered that off in an earlier episode this year. Uh, they're obviously a um, a new uh, brand coming from uh, from Telecom as a sort of a low end um, weekly prepay type uh, type brand. Uh, but two degrees are, are keeping sharp, and they already have a nineteen dollar plan in the market, which is, uh, you know, got a big text bundle 
they're now releasing a second $19 plan that, that offers less uh, text messages built into it, but uh, 300 megs worth of data. So yeah, that looks uh, that looks quite compelling. If your if your usage isn't too heavy, you get um, I think thirty minutes worth of calls, two hundred SMS messages, and uh, three hundred megs worth of data for uh, a measly nineteen dollars. That's not bad, considering you can. Um, I mean, you can fire up WhatsApp into these devices that you plug your data into and uh, start using the data circuit more for texting and. Yep. Even short, or, short or, voice or, message. Or iMessage. Yeah, yeah. So on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've certainly seen some changes, particularly over the last year, with what it costs to run a smartphone and, you know, have a reasonable amount of uh, a reasonable amount of data. It's not, um, yeah, not a, not a bad, little, uh, bad little starter plan. I wonder when we start getting free plans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the prices are dropping, aren't they, really? That they are, and I think we've discussed this before. By you know realigning the plans for myself, my business, and some of my customers, you know we've seen savings uh, in the last six months of you know thirty to fifty percent in a lot of cases of what we you know what we were spending six months ago. So some of these new plans really you know dramatically lower than what we used to pay. That's that's for sure. It's going to be interesting watching two degrees because they. Um I mean, they are starting to compete at the, uh, I guess, the, the budget end of the spectrum. But at the same time, they're rolling out, uh, the, the, I guess, the solid foundations for a 4G network across the country. And they are approaching businesses to talk about business plans. So, Yeah, I think I they're think, playing in all, the, in all the spaces now. Yeah, yeah I think they are. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly hearing a lot of businesses are having uh, two degrees um you know related people call up to try and sell them services i've had those calls as well yeah uh, a number of times so they they're working very aggressively in in the market i think that's led to uh telecom and vodafone um yeah i guess maybe being a little bit more flexible than what they were um you know in the past so um competition's yeah. a good thing consumer yep. wins yep yep that's for sure uh, I don't know about the shareholders, but um, yeah. you know that's <laughs> not that's not really our issue, is it? Uh, fortunately, so there you go. Now, um, Twitter has been in the media, and this was one um, actually. I think Brad mentioned of, of coverage that he had seen in in the media around Asia was the um, censorship discussions that have been had around uh, around Twitter. What have you heard about this, Skip? Have you um, have you caught much of the uh, much of the story? I mean, there's a lot of discussions around censorship at the moment with the uh, sopper and peeper bills going through in in North America. Um, I haven't really heard a lot of where Twitter is heading with this. Um, I know that quite a few crowds, like uh, uh, Wiki Wiki Foundation, Wikipedia Foundation, are really up in arms because I mean it, it does threaten their um, ability to exist basically uh the guys from youtube i think uh, whoever heads up youtube has also raised concerns that it's basically going to start killing off their uh, business model as well so it is um yeah it's it's going to be interesting times if they pass those bills and i think a few crowds will start thinking about well 
is it worth taking user-submitted content? And, of course, Twitter is just user-submitted content. Well, Twitter's an interesting one because there's been a couple of discussions around censorship. So one of them has been around these um, these US bills where they're saying, hey, if you know, if a Twitter uh, message spreads something... Um, you know that breaks copyright so maybe it's a um, you know a link to a copyright image or some sort of copyrighted content so you've got that concern but you've also got the announcement they made last week which was around how they would operate from a um, a censorship perspective in various markets around the world and now what they're saying is look we're just being transparent there's nothing we can actually do about this the rules other rules and what that they've made a comment that at the moment if they have to censor something for a particular country let's say it's china that twitter has to censor it for the whole world so nobody would actually see that piece of content so their announcement was really they are building in a more capable uh functionality around censorship that would allow them to censor a piece of content for china syria whichever part of the world it, it um the the issue is happening in or the, the you know the content shouldn't be seen in so it could be blocked for that market uh, but would be visible in the rest of the world which is it's an interesting um, it's an interesting dilemma really and you know for us here in New Zealand where we have a pretty free and open press compared to many many country other countries around the world um, yeah it's it's something that's maybe a little bit hard to understand what yeah. are your thoughts I mean you, you you work in the media and broadcasting space day to day. Have you, um, you know, have you had too many? Have you had many experiences of, of, um, you know, what broadcasting and and so on uh, is like in these countries? Have you got much experience or, or thoughts you can share there, Skip? It is, yeah. I don't really know what to say about this one, to be honest. <laughs> um, the um, the uh, free radical inside of me just says it's information. Let it be free. Um, and I think it sort of flies in the face of what the original intent and design of the internet was, that the internet was designed to allow the information to flow. Well, it's become Even that. I'm not broken. sure that the designers really knew what, what the internet would or, would or wouldn't <laughs> be capable of. But certainly, and, and I think that's the way most of us would feel, you know, from an online perspective, that, hey, get on the internet, everything should be available on an equal level regardless of where you are and who you are yeah uh you know it's a great leveler in those regards but it's yeah when when countries start putting in their own uh, censorship and then the likes of twitter and so on jump on board yeah i guess if they don't jump on board there's a potential that twitter just gets blocked as it does today and you know i think it probably still does in in uh, in china yeah and there's a potential for that just to happen in a, a whole lot more markets. So I guess what they're saying is, look, you'll be able to access us in those markets, but just not everything. So is a little bit of Twitter better than no Twitter, or is it better for them just to protest and say, no, we won't be in your country if you censor us? It's, well, it's a hard one because we've got rules in New Zealand as well, right? We've got rules around you know, um, copyright and child pornography and, and other things. Now, yeah. if... If some of that content was to get on Twitter, um, then some of these rules might have to come to play as well. And I think, you know, in, in terms of the second of those two examples, I think most people would probably agree. 
I, I guess the problem I have with it is not necessarily the uh, the rules around decency on the internet. You know, like the child pornography issue is not a, not an issue, not a, a question in my mind. Do we filter sure. that sort of stuff? Um, but I guess the problem becomes. Who polices that? Who chooses to say that this content should not be seen by our constituents in our country? And, of course, we've got issues in various parts of the world where freedom of speech is being squashed, and it's just tricky to, you know, who who makes that moral judgment on saying, you know what, everyone's unhappy in my country. I want anyone who says bad things about me to be filtered off Twitter. Sure. It's yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a it's. It's quite bizarre, isn't it? I, I'd be interested to see how Twitter does it, because I know that Google sort of got into... They, they did that thing in China where they started off and then they just said, you know what, it's just too hard. It's mm. just too hard to do that. Mm. Um, it's that, yeah. The problem is that we've got so many different uh, moral viewpoints on freedom in different parts of the world. It's like, whose do you choose? Because no matter whose you choose, you're going to offend someone over here. Yeah, there's always going to be an opposing view at some point. Yeah, so it's. Uh, I would say the majority, though, are you know would would be against the idea of you know this sort of general censorship on on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all us card carrying members of the Electronic Freedom Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> now, another um, now, there, and there are going to be lots more stories coming from uh, from. From CES, and as you know, I I I had quite a ball there in uh, in Vegas at the Consumer <laughs> Electronics Show, and there are going to be lots more stories probably over the weeks and and probably until the next one comes around if uh, if we attend again. Uh, but one of the uh, companies I just wanted to call out was that I ran into um, the guys from Fusion Audio there at CES. Now. I mentioned this to you, and you know your point was so what. And my point was, well, they're actually across town. They're a they're a company who um, whose technology um, or a lot of their audio stuff is designed here in New Zealand, and their headquarters you know, are here never, in Auckland. I never knew that. Yeah, you just I mean they they've established themselves as such a strong brand that you just think of them as a as an international audio well, exactly. co- company, or, which they are, or, or a um, or a uh, a premium value brand within a bigger organization like Sony or something like right. that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was good to see them there and they were they were launching a number of new products. Now, of course, they make uh, they make speakers for car stereos and for uh, marine use and they've got back into the business of also doing head units uh for well, I think they do they do the amps as well. They've got back into doing head units for uh, cast, you know, car stereos and also some really nice marine products. Yep. And the lowest cost of those, uh, the marine products, started at under two hundred dollars, which and I was very impressed with because you really expect those marine products to be very expensive. Yeah, and and I will say this: their their marine products, their early marine products, did last quite well. Mm. So, so yeah. yeah, definitely worth uh, worth just keeping an eye on uh, on what Fusion are doing if you're if you're into. Um, uh, the audio, and uh, you know, and consider them. You know, buy a local uh, a local product. Now, talking about uh, car audio, one of the things that we discussed going back quite a long way, actually, to some of the earlier episodes, and of course, came up again when we started looking at the cars themselves, is uh, the Bluetooth car stereos. Mm. Now, I've been looking at this again um, for uh, for one of our vehicles, and 
you know, in in my own uh, car, I've got a, a a Sony head deck that's got Bluetooth, so I can jump into the car and my phone calls and uh, podcasts and so on will run through that head deck, and it, and it works pretty well. Now, there are some differentiators, though, between the different products. And one of the things we found, for instance, with the, uh, with the Ford uh, Mon- Mondeo that we tried out was you'd jump in and it would start playing your uh, content immediately. you jump back in the vehicle, which is cool. Um, although there's a, there can be a downside to that too, and some people don't like that. Um, uh, but you know the Sony doesn't do that. Also, it allowed you to pair a whole number of phones, so you could have different people sharing a vehicle, no problem, and and you know it would handle those connections automatically. Uh, again, the Sony doesn't do that. So I've been looking around at what some of the other options are, and at CES there were quite a number of announcements. And in fact, there was a, there was one hall that was pretty much dedicated uh, to things to do with cars, uh, and also um, a few other sort of a, you know, iPod accessories and so on. But a lot of car audio and and just audio in in general. And uh, one of the one of the products there is uh, some new offerings from JVC. Now JVC have had quite a number of Bluetooth products on the market at a reasonable price point for the last couple of years, uh, but those often relied on uh, an external uh, control to answer the calls and so on without the you know necessarily an answer button on the front of the um, of the, head unit uh, the head unit and so on, which yeah, I didn't think were ideal. Now, they're launching these at um, the price points off the top of my head are in the 90 to 120 US dollar range for these um, what? Bluetooth head units. Yeah. Wow. So they do away with the CD player, which I've got no problems with at all, and just focus on the fact that you're using a digital device. You don't need to be able to, you know, you don't need a whole CD unit in there. It just needs to be a. A media player um, that that links off your cell phone or your iPod and can handle your calling, and uh, they look very very good. So we haven't seen those launch in New Zealand yet, but my pick is we will see them here within uh, within the next few weeks if all goes well. Uh, and yeah, probably around um, yeah, I'm picking sort of two hundred to two fifty, maybe you know three hundred dollars at at the most here in the New Zealand market. So uh, well, that's quite impressive, and I mean, in the states, the, the one of the biggest platforms is of course the satellite radio stuff, the XM radio. Yeah. So I imagine they're probably well, using, that, that's built that in, that's built into the US devices. Yeah. So of course, they don't need that capability in the, in the New Zealand ones because we can't we can't pick up those satellites here. Uh, but um, it doesn't tend to reduce the price, unfortunately. But, you know, we tend to pay a little bit more here in New Zealand. But yeah, I would expect we'll see those in the next few weeks. So I'll keep an eye out for those, and we'll certainly try and get our hands uh, on with one of those units and report back because I think it is one of those uh, frustrations as, as people have smartphones, but then have difficulties with uh, with linking those into stereos, and they've got to have a separate Bluetooth unit and other bits and pieces. It's yeah, it's 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 not necessarily ideal. So this uh, this certainly helps that picture. Now, Facebook been in the news over the last few days, haven't they? Just a small company. <laughs> wow. So what I, what we're hearing is that uh, Facebook uh, could be days away from um, making an announcement about launching on the uh, the US stock exchange and and doing an 
initial public offering and that they could end up with a valuation of around $100 billion. That wouldn't be hard to imagine. That is a huge number. Uh, it, it will be the largest ever. I mean, it's a small nation in itself. Well, it's actually not a small nation. It's quite a large nation in itself. I mean, if everyone got on board... Heading and up towards a, a, a billion uh, members, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a power force. And uh, this, this kind of scares me a little bit because it's a power force that's going to have a huge amount of cash behind it. I mean, it has a huge amount of cash behind it already. But it's just, I mean, what are they going to do with that cash? Where are they going to take this thing? I mean, they'll buy everyone. <laughs> well, yeah, with, with that sort of money, they'll be able to buy up anyone they want. That's um, Just wait that's for, for it. Sure. Apple will be brought, and they'll be turned into Facebook, MacBook, Facebooks. Well, the interesting thing about Apple is they actually sitting on cash reserves that are heading in the direction of $100 billion. Yeah, right now there, the, there there are two tech companies. <laughs> there are a number of tech companies that have quite a large amount of cash, and they don't seem to be in a hurry to be spending it. But to be fair, they're spending it quite rapidly. They're just also gaining it quite rapidly. That's true. That's very true. Well, Microsoft made their big Skype acquisition last year, which was what was it eight eight or more billion. Yep. And uh, yeah, they they um, they they earn, they earn that in uh, I think less than less than they didn't th- three or four months. So. They didn't flinch. I mean, it was a huge number, and everyone gasped at the time. But it's sort of like billions of the new millions. Mm. Um, but it is scary. I I'll be interested to see just where Facebook takes that cash because it does enable them to. Uh, I guess limitless development work, really, doesn't it? I mean, the sky's the limit from for them. Yeah, yeah it's certainly. I mean, yeah, that'll it'll give them the funding to really do whatever they want and and to set up whatever operations they want to have in various countries around the world. Now, if I was Google, I'd be a bit concerned about that. To be fair, I well, think- I think I mean Google have been concerned about Facebook for some time because uh, you know people spend considerably more time on Facebook than on any other service online by by a huge uh, a huge yeah. multitude i think the there was a stat that i read um if i've got this right the average user in the us was spending seven and a half hours a month on facebook that's a lot of facetime with is. with one particular service now people may not be there uh looking to click on links like they are when they go to Google but it does create a a massive revenue potential and that's why Google have incentivized their staff this year to be successful in the social media space and why they've put so much energy into launching Google Plus so yeah there's a lot of value in being successful in the social media space I guess there's still uh, questions around the longevity of any one social network. And, you know, we've discussed it a little bit in the past uh, previous episodes of uh, NZ Tech Podcast around what the success or failures might be around Google+. We haven't really had that discussion around uh, around Facebook, certainly not for some time. Mm. And I, th- I think that would, that would be um, a hard one to have a lot of confidence on one way or the other, but... The I guess the challenge for Google Plus and any competitors is that Facebook is there now with the big audience, 
and you know for any other social network to be, truly be successful you've got to end up with a really big uh, membership for people to uh, to bother being active with it well this is true and I mean I was on Google Plus just the other day actually just today having a look and uh, I have one person that's active in that, in that stream I mean I've got probably about 50 friends it's not a huge list by any stretch of the imagination but it's just not active. It's got yeah, it's got a lot of members, hasn't it? it you know, when you think about it, uh, Google Plus, I think, is is heading up towards Twitter in terms of uh, its membership size mm. um, and LinkedIn, and similar sort of uh, membership numbers, sort of you know, hundred million uh, plus. But the the difference is the level of engagement and and activity on Google Plus. So people are jumping on and having a look, but. Because it does similar things to the other social networks, then they're, they're they're tending, in most cases, to use the existing tools that they use. Would, I, would that be a, a fair statement? I think it's pretty fair. And the one thing that Google Plus doesn't have is a thing called API gateways, which means you can't use custom tools to drive your experience in Google Plus. You have to be on the Google Plus page. That will come soon, though, surely. It's taking a lot longer than it should, to be fair, and uh, I think that's killing the platform because people like um, I use Hootsuite for doing uh, Facebook and Twitter. It's one location. It's a tool that stays open the whole day, and I can track and continue managing my social interactions through that. It's a lot easier than having to open up three or four different windows to do the same task. So... Google really need to work on that API stuff to get that sort of ticking by, making people happy. There's one thing that they are doing is they're actually tying in, um, I guess, the uh, one plus one uh, philosophy into their search engine results as well now. So if you have a, uh, a blog article on a topic and it's been plus one by a friend of yours or by a group, it's likely it's going to be ranking up a lot higher in the search engine. Yeah, and that's been a cause for a lot of de- debate as well. Some people saying this is good, some saying it's bad. Um, yeah, it's certainly, yeah, because Google is so dominant as, from a search engine perspective, um, yeah, it, it really, um, I guess, yeah, c- creates a bit of an unfair advantage for their social network in terms of where, where, where it appears. Um, but that said... The other social networks are probably most welcome to share all their information with Google and have chosen not to do so or have asked big bucks to uh, to maybe well, do it. I, I'm going to put my chips on the table. All of my chips are going on the table. This IPO from Google is going to get them a metric pencil. From Facebook. Uh, from Facebook, yeah, sorry. From Facebook are going to give them a metric ton of cash. And I, I'm putting my chips on the table to say Facebook will use that money to build search engines. Because they have um, the like button situation that's happening across the, the net. Um, I don't know if you have noticed a few things with Facebook, uh, the Facebook APIs, is that you can go to a page and for some reason you'll get referred to stuff that you actually like on that page in terms of advertising when it comes to Facebook type things. Because Facebook's actually profiling you. Every page that has one of these like buttons on it is building a profile on you. So. Yeah, I I think that Facebook have, you know, what, 1 billion users. They've got the world's biggest mechanical Turk in terms of uh, search engine um, lemmings to be able to help build that that space. I think they just need to put the programming into place. They could give Google some serious um, problems. 
All right, well, let's wait and see what happens now. Also in the social media space, there was a little company called Bebo. <laughs> Not, it, it they, nev- they, nev- they, never got as, they never actually got as big as uh, Facebook, but in the UK, I think for a while there, they were the top, uh, the top social network, predominantly sort of popular with the kids. And today there are a lot of reports saying that uh, they've been shut down, they've gone offline today. Uh, but no yeah. one has confirmed whether that's permanent or not. There were some comments I think you saw that Bebo had come back and said, oh, no, it's a technical fault and we will be back online. Yep. Um, there's a bit more information around that that um, that has come online. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, it's looking as though... Um, um, maybe they they're offline for good. What's uh, what's your pick on it? It's hard to guess. I mean, this is an organisation that was brought by AOL for eight hundred and fifty million dollars, and then eventually sold off to um, capital venture organisation for ten million. <laughs> that's that's a lot of cash that's just gone down the drain for no good reason. Mm, mm. Um, so it's it's not a very big company anymore at all. Um, they did, I believe, they did take one of the co-creators of Xbox in September last year out of Microsoft or wherever he was into Bebo to look at recreating the Bebo experience. So I mean, they're, they're certainly not killing off the investment as such. Well, but, maybe maybe this is just going to create a whole lot of publicity for them, and uh, it'll it'll be back online tomorrow. Well, what do you think? It's, or the, or, there's a couple of odd a, things about this. Or a week this. or a month later, there's a couple of odd things about this. I mean, they have come back on TechCrunch and said, "Hey, hey, it's okay. We've got a technical fault. That's all it is." But the problem is that no one can get hold of them on the phone. Even BeboInc.com, which is the corporate website's offline, which is you know maybe they're all hosting in the same on the same Amiga 500 and for all their websites who knows um, and you know I hope their uh, technology is a little bit more modern than that but yeah, you, but you do be, wonder if they've got if it's such a large company were, were yeah has such a big outage yeah but to be fair they aren't that big anymore and potentially their um, their technology footprint is a lot smaller these days than what it was in the heyday and they may not have handled that uh, that downsizing too well no that's right so it's going to be interesting. I think if we don't see it back in a couple of days' time, there's going to be a lot more rumour and speculation about the fact that they've just gone. Um, yeah, I made a comment this morning on Twitter that, you know, Bebo's down tens of users are mourning their loss because it really is that small now. There's not a lot of people that are hanging out there. Mm. Facebook is offering us such a better experience that uh, this potentially could be the first of the social networks to collapse under Facebook. Fair enough. Now, Apple's been in the news a little bit over the over the past few days. Um, now, one of those is there's been a lot of discussion around Apple's um, factories that they outsource to in China. These are, the, these are the Foxconn factories, right? Well, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, predominantly Foxconn. I think they probably use a range of uh, a range of you know, companies to to do certain things. Yep. Um, but yeah, there've been a lot of issues. Obviously, that you know, the you know, in the last year or two, we've heard about uh, suicides in some of those factories. Uh, there was a case, uh, I think, recently where you know a whole lot of people were um, uh, hurt or poisoned. Um, 
because of an issue in one of the uh, one of the factories that was uh, was using a, 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 um, a poison to treat some glass or treat a treat a product to, to make uh, something for Apple. So um, yeah, there've been a whole lot of um, you know concerns around the way that people are being treated in the name of making Apple products. And yeah, there's been a few suggestions on online from some media suggesting it's time to start boycotting Apple. Oh, there's nothing more scary than a um, uh, a civil liberties movement against an, a brand. It's a bit scary, isn't it? It is. Um, but to be honest, uh, we've had this chat with uh, friends of mine in the past about the the cult of Mac, you know, you've got the iPhone, you've got the MacBook and all this sort of stuff, because they're, they're nice devices, you like to have nice devices. But at the end of the day, people tend to turn a blind eye to it because they've got a nice device. It's the same with the Adidas shoes, well, I shouldn't say Adidas because I don't know if they're a sweatshop type brand, but you know the, the name sports brands that you can get shirts and, and jandals and shoes and all sorts of stuff, they come out of similar situations where... I mean, let's face it, they're probably paying the workers um, five cents a day to make these things. I don't think it's quite that bad. I, I Actually, in some cases, it probably is that bad, and it has been that bad. But we turn a blind eye because consumerization of, of the stuff we've got around us is we just try and drive the price down as low as we can. So someone has to take it, has to lose out in the end. And unfortunately, it's the people that are making it that lose out on that. Now I remember, um, and the, um, the reality is, it's as you say, it, it, there's a whole range of vendors, and in the electronics and c- consumer electronics space, it's not just Apple that uses uh, Foxconn and 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 uh, and similar firms, is it? Well, I could look at, lift up a couple of devices here and probably find a Foxconn stamp on quite a few things that um, that we use in terms of electronics. But uh, it's the nature of the industry is that we. Um, when people are going to buy equipment to put into their their uh, device, they try and find quality, but it's also going to be dictated by price. They consider price, don't yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, they've got to make a, make a margin. Now, I think the thing that's probably more abhorrent for consumers of Apple products who uh, do have a bit of a, uh, I guess, a higher moral compass in terms of issues around the Foxconn factory is Apple are making a huge amount of money out of these products. Yeah, we were just talking about their, um, you know, how much the cash they've ten, got, tens of billions of of of, of um, you know cash funds sitting in accounts. Yeah, so for a few people, it doesn't quite sit right. You know, this whole idea that a company in uh, in the states can be sitting there with so much cash, and people in China uh, suffering because suffering health wise and all that sort of stuff, potentially because of it. Now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's arguments to be had everywhere on the on, along the uh, spectrum on that one, but um, yeah, it's just I guess it's just that age old um, the richer are getting richer, and the poorer are really are getting poorer in this case when you look at the extreme ends of the scale and across the globe. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think what we're seeing in China is because of there being uh, because so much manufacturing has moved to China and out of markets like the US. That actually, um, the Chinese, you know, people are actually getting richer, and in fact, China is becoming one of the biggest uh, markets for the iPhone, and that talks of there being a lot of wealth in 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 the Chinese market for that to actually be a reality. In terms of, but there are, yeah, you know, 
different levels of spread of that wealth and yeah you talked about people earning five cents a day well it might be a dollar it might be ten dollars a day whatever um it is will you know will vary but you know some of those people working um crazy hours and i think you know apple said um you know they uh, their agreement with their suppliers is that staff don't work more than a 60 hour week but um the audit that they did found out that in uh, in most cases that there were people working a lot longer than those or working longer than those hours so yeah it's the whole thing is not ideal i'm not sure what the what the solution is i i do recall when we saw um computers the manufacturer of computers move from the taiwanese market to the to um to china and that happened probably about a decade ago. We started. We saw that that you know that change happened reasonably quickly. And initially, and and it may still be today. Initially, it was predominantly Taiwanese companies opening up uh, manufacturing in China. And yeah, at the time I thought about it because uh, you know the human rights record in China is not brilliant. And, you know, it used to be that people didn't want to do business with China in protest for the way that China as a country operated. But, uh, you know, what we've seen is that everything gets made there now because it's cheap. And nobody raises a question of, you know, are we comfortable with this being made in China? Should we protest uh, about some of the the human rights issues that that discussion is is very rarely heard and no, and has right. been raised you know uh, it's been unusual for it to be raised over these last ten years or even as products started being made in in China so it's an interesting one and yeah I, I could probably rant for another two hours on this one <laughs> well we're not going to go on a rant about it <laughs> but I mean yeah, I think it's, it's just important that I guess we raise it and and um you know we we remind listeners that you know hey it, it's great that we can afford these things but it is worth actually stepping back and having a look at at the bigger picture what the impact is whether there's anything we can do about it i don't know but it's good to at least give it some thought actually i would love to hear from people that run businesses um that have tackled this issue, had a look at it and said, you know what, we're going to do things slightly differently because we realise that there's inequalities in some spaces. Um, there may, may be not a lot done. I know that Bono's done a project in the States called uh, RED, where he basically turned around to some organisations and said, can you guarantee that a product that you carry um, serves all of humanity in terms of the person right at the very bottom of the chain putting together is treated with respect and paid an honest good wage and all that sort of stuff um and the people like there's people like dell and adidas and i think and a few other crowds actually did products like that which was great it's part of the red brand great great campaign so i'd just be interested to see if there's sort of kiwi um even international organizations that have thought you know we're going to do things differently because we feel as an organisation, we've we're, we're making money. We're we're doing things right. We want to do things right for the whole of the globe and not just for ourselves. So I mean, maybe they could email through to team at nztechpodcast.com. Be really keen to hear some of those stories, even some of the thoughts that people have around this. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Uh, and and also, it's worth thinking about what's happened with um, you know coffee and chocolate. You know, we've got now the fair fair trade branded uh, product. That says that um, you know those involved 
in the process of of uh, you know farming the the cocoa beans and uh, and and so on are um, are being you know being paid a fair price and so on. People yep. are being looked after okay. Yep. Uh, but we yeah we, I haven't seen anything similar around the um, the manufacturing and uh, and technology industries and while you know those sort of programs might not be perfect it would be very interesting if somebody uh, was to launch something similar and was uh, and was able to actually uh, you know carry it through well i mean it's uh, just uh, we'll wrap this up quickly but the one thing i'm reminded of is in india they've relaunched a tablet for students over there and it's less than 100 dollars a tablet or something so it is it is doable to sort of but how ha- ha- how do you know um how they're manufacturing it that cheap does that mean a whole lot of you know people are um but are being abused for it to be so cheap it's the same supply chain and so you look at it and you go there's a, a, lap, a d- tablet device that can be brought for $100, um, but if you buy in the Western world, you can actually pay up to $800 for the same sort of device. Uh, possibly not apples for apples comparison there. but probably, probably not. But, I mean, you can see where it's going is that potentially um, uh, the question needs to be asked of corporates, and I'll, I'll call them out like Apple, and say, really, do you really need to make that much margin on each device? Really? Or can you sort of say, actually, you know what? We're so back into the industry that we have um, invested money into, small amounts of money into, to to build. Um, Because if you improve the quality of your workers, you can also improve the quality of your equipment as well. Hmm. And I just want to highlight, I mean, we've used Apple as an example because this has been discussed in the media recently, but, you know, we're not wanting wanting to take a pot shot at any, you know, Apple or any one company as an individual. I think this is an industry-wide um, challenge, and I yep. know that Apple um, Apple CEO Tim Cook has said that you know it's not something they're happy about as well, and you know they want good outcomes for uh, for the people that are working for them. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, um, one other thing Apple related that I just um, caught some info on uh, on today actually is that Apple have uh, done some updates to their um, their Apple Airport uh, base station, which is their um, uh, wireless uh, networking module for the home, and also their uh, their time capsule. Now, this is um, this is an interesting one because the time capsule, which is their backup device, but it also provides um, uh, wireless functionality. Uh, but what's interesting here is it sounds like these devices are, or the, the one of the descriptions around this update. Um, talks around remote access um, to um, discs that are um, that are at- attached uh, to the airport, or also the uh, time capsule. So, um, remote access tying into iCloud, which sounds very interesting. This is um, a new type of functionality, and I don't think they've announced the the full details on it. Just that the software update sort of prepares the way for that. Yeah, what I'm reading here provides support for remote access to an airport disk or a time capsule hard drive with an iCloud account. Mm. That that could be quite useful. Yeah, so um, we'll we'll keep an eye on that and we'll try and report back with what we uh, what we find. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people have these um, these devices 
in their home, uh, either you know just providing uh, wireless or they're doing backup or they've got um, you know disk attached for uh, for networks uh, storage and and time machine backups. Wow, cl- cloud um, hybrid stuff. This mm, sounds cool. Mm, it does. It sounds cool. So um, anyway, that's a topic for another week. But uh, we just thought we'd call call that one out uh, because it looks uh, looks interesting. Right. Well, I think that's probably us through um, through all of the topics. Was there anything else uh, big on uh, on your list there, Skip? We've got obviously me- mega upload things continue, and Brad was c- uh, correct with his, his statement last week that um, uh, Mr. dot com, uh, Mr. Kim dot com, was not uh, able to get bail, although his um, his colleagues were able to um, uh, to get out of jail for the meantime. Yeah. I think the biggest news article that's come out from that is that he has an inflatable tank in his front yard. Yeah, that sounded kind of fun. Um, yeah, and also <laughs> but it looked like a real time. one. It did from a distance. It was huge. Yeah. But I mean, there you go. Well, wealth can buy you anything, I guess, except a free ticket out of jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the other bit of news coverage um, also has been that in the US, all the content that's on the uh, the servers and the service space that uh, Mega Upload have been uh, leasing all of that information is apparently going to be uh, dumped in the next few days which means for anyone who's actually had legitimate content on the mega upload services obviously they haven't been able to access mm. uh, any of that content since it went down uh, basically that's going to be uh, that's going to be lost for good and there is rumor that a few people might get up in arms and being the states of course they'll sue basically mm. but I, I don't know where how that's going to work because these servers are stored outside of the states no, there are servers in, oh, right. uh, I think, in states. Florida. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. Apparently, the ones outside the states, they may actually still be able to get hold of content. It's just a case of if you're a content holder of legitimate content on there, you know, the 5% by the sounds of it, they have legitimate content on these sites. Um, you could go to these organizations see if you can get it back. I just don't know how that's going to work. Mm, yeah. um, it really is a bit of a mess. Fascinating. Really. Fascinating yeah. stuff. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening in. As uh, Skip mentioned earlier, you can uh, ping us via email, team at nztechpodcast.com. We'd love to have you uh, visit us on our Facebook page and give us one of those uh, little likes. Uh, We're at facebook.com slash nztechpodcast. Um, Join the, um, I don't know, we've got about 1,300 or so um, uh, fans on there so far, so uh, always nice to have more of you joining that uh, that community. Uh, We're on Twitter, of course, NZ Tech Podcast, and we have the NZ Tech techpodcast.com website so um, yeah that's where we will we will be contactable Um, hope you have a great week and we will catch you on the next episode see ya see ya 